0: Welcome to Inside the Kingdom, your all-access pass into the colorful and creative world of comics. This podcast isn't just about interviews, it's a lively journey that we'll have through the halls of King Features, where the magic of characters like Popeye, Flash Gordon, Zitz, the Phantom, and even Beetle Moses are born. Join us for heartfelt, fun conversations with the brilliant minds that are crafting these stories. We're talking about the latest developments, the sparks of creativity, and the little-known stories behind your favorite comics. It's always friendly, insightful, and sometimes you'll get a surprising peek into the world of comic creation. Perfect for all you longtime fans and newcomers alike. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and get ready to meet the people who bring these beloved characters to life. Welcome to Inside the Kingdom. On this episode, we interview Randy Milholland and Emmy Burge, the extraordinary duo behind Olive and Popeye. And we ask, just what is Olive and Popeye? So sit back, enjoy, and get ready for a ride.
1: You like to go by Emmy, correct? Correct. Okay, perfect. Always like to make sure I get people's names. Very appreciated. (laughs) Okay. And uh, yeah, I guess let's get into it. This is super exciting. Popeye has been around for decades, like a century. I think I think it's is it ninety four years now.
2: Um, so Popeye, the character, first showed up in January of twenty nine. The comic strip uh, Thimble Theater, as of tomorrow, will be its anniversary. It started in nineteen
3: nineteen.
2: Yes. So it's uh, December nineteenth, nineteen nineteen was the first Thimble Theater strip.
1: Amazing. Uh, so I'm joined by Randy Maholland and Emmy Burge. Did I say this correctly?
2: Melon, yeah.
1: Great. Um, and yeah, so we're excited. We're talking about the new Popeye strip you guys have been working on. It's really exciting to see this character come back uh, for new audiences as well as fans of the, you know, the original cartoon strip, uh, the news, the the news strip, eh, the news cartoon, and the animated uh, cartoon. Um, How did you guys, I guess, first get involved to Popeye? I know that both of you have loved it since childhood. I guess, when were you first introduced?
3: Uh, Randy, if you'd like to go
2: first. Oh, I mean, like my first introduction to Popeye was probably um, kindergarten. Um, uh, I grew up in between Dallas and Fort Worth, and one of our UHF affiliates, the KTRA 39, started running the the King Features 1960 cartoon. And that was my first like exposure to the character. Then of course the Robin Williams movie came out right not long after that. Um as for comics, the first exposure I ever had to the Popeye comic uh was coming across a collection of Bobby London's run called Mondo Popeye. Uh he took over the cop the daily strip from Bud Sagendorf. I'm sorry, I have a cat walking around right now on top of my, my papers. Um Can they do that? yeah. <laughs> That's all about mine. Especially own. kids. But um, uh, Bobby London took over from Bud Sagendorf around, I think, 86, he did it in 92. And uh, there was a compilation called Mondo Popeye that I came across in the bookstore. And that was my first real exposure to Popeye as a comic strip character. From there, I found seer strips in the uh, library. And I read those and you know, I was able to get all of various small digest compilations of the but Sagendorf strips um right. and my connection to the comic came uh in, i guess 2018 uh a friend of mine rich stevens who does an online comic called diesel sweeties uh i do an online comic called SomethingPositive.net, and we've been friends for a long time he said hey a friend of mine is works for king features uh and they are looking for people to do strips for the anniversary. And he's like, you're kind of obsessed on this cat character, uh, which is fair. I just say it, but uh, <laughs> uh, and so I, I emailed, "Hi, Dynamite." Jesus! fuck cute name. <laughs>
3: yeah, he's
2: it's as appropriate. He's an explosion. Uh, but um, so T. I've never known how to pronounce her last name. I feel so bad. But I spoke to T uh, and we talked for a few hours in email about continuity and characters we loved. Uh-huh. And so I got to do uh, a strip for the 90th anniversary celebration. I did. I instead did seven because I couldn't narrow it down. And they told totally me just had to choose one. And then later I submitted a package because like the, the daily strip has, hasn't has been, uh, it's been in a rerun since 92. So I submitted a package of strips because I, I was like, I'd like to take that over if no one's doing it. Um, and during COVID, they asked permission to run my package of strips on the site, and it got a really good reaction. Um, that was around the time they brought to me the I doing doing the the Olive and Popeye strip that they were going to look for uh, an artist who was either female or had like the experience of living like uh, a feminine life. <laughs> Uh, and they wanted me to do the Popeye side of it, so we be split between you know that person would be doing the Olive side, I do the Popeye stuff. Um, and then uh, High Eisman decided he, who had been doing this Sunday comic since '94, uh, in 2022 decided if he wanted to retire, and so they contacted me and asked if I wanted to take it over, and I said yes. And then a few months later, they got hold of Shadia Amin. Who did the first year of the olive side of Olive and Popeye? And we worked together on that. And now I get to work with Emmy. <laughs> and annoy the hell out of them with <laughs> stupid names on Discord. And I think it's good. If you want to know the history of this with <laughs> 1952.
3: Yeah. No, it's great for me. Um, my experience with Popeye started from a very young age. Uh Where I live in Southern Oregon, I live in a very small town. Um, And so the idea of being like an artist, um, like a commercial artist was kind of just like, oh, whatever. Um, But I grew up in an incredibly supportive family, including my grandpa, who's a watercolor painter. And I have very early memories of our summer uh, beach trips where we'd go to the Oregon coast and he would be drawing cartoon characters in the sand, including like Mickey Mouse and all this. And one I remember vividly is his drawings of Popeye. Uh, He would draw a lot of Popeye in the sand and I would ask him questions. Um, I learned just recently after I took over Shadia's run uh, that Popeye was my grandpa and grandma's favorite comic character in fact they used to collect the comics (laughs) and so they were thrilled when they found out i was um taking this over um see the first time aside from that um i would watch the cartoons when they would show up on my boomerang and stuff when i was growing up um and i always really enjoyed them uh all of like i always felt they could do more with all of it, but I also knew that these cartoons were really, really old. Um, and then, of course, I'd seen the comics uh, a little bit at local newsstands. Um, and then when I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design, we would have to do studies on older comics. And so I would read a ton of older comics, including Popeye. Um, and then this last summer, I got contacted by one of my classmates, Shaya Um, And she said, Hey, are you busy? And I was like, Well, not really. And she's, How interested would you be in taking over Olives and Popeye? And a line very, very much simple. So. <laughs> um, and this comic is the first, I guess, uh, syndicated slash published comic that I've done um, since graduating from college. And it's been a uh, Blast! I'm learning so much from Randy and
2: everyone else. And oh no, I'm sorry. You 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 teach me a lot, even if. You oh no, it's <laughs> all bad. It's
3: all good, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, and I'm I'm loving it. I love working with the characters and being able to develop the storyline that's going on. Um, just taking what Shadia place down before me and just running with it and having a blast. Uh, it's a dream come true for me. Just this, you know, non-binary kid in Southern Oregon uh, who didn't think they would ever do anything like this. <laughs> well,
1: that's congr- um That's huge. Congrats to both of you. Um, I love that, like bringing something back, especially that meant a lot to your grandparents and like mm-hmm. something from your childhood, like coming back into the future in your career mm-hmm. is really exciting. <laughs> um, I guess, how did you both kind of... How do you put your inventive mark on this while respecting Popeye's true nature?
2: Do you want to go first today? Or?
3: <laughs> You're a good star.
2: Oh, I mean, for me, like on the Popeye end, one of the things I wanted to do with Olive and Popeye is there are a lot of characters that are kind of forgotten. Um, you know, Seeger passed away in 1938 and uh, immediately Doc Winner... Uh, who today would be his birthday, and uh, a man uh, took over the art, and a man named Tom Sims took over writing. They did it for a year. Bella Zaboli took over the art from, I want to say, late 39 until late 59. And Tom Sims wrote the, the Daily and Sunday Strip through 53. Uh, he drew the 50, the Sunday Strip until you know 59, and then a man named Ralph Stein took over the Daily Strip's writing from, like, his first appears at fifty four to fifty nine. Then, but Sagendorf takes over, and like that whole window between Seeger and Sagendorf tends to be forgotten. There's not really ever been reprinted of any of it, and it's just kind of like out the window. And there's a lot of characters who vanished in that, a lot of story progression. <laughs> like um, one of the things that and Sims did is they got into Popeye's childhood, who raised him, because it was established under Seeger. You know, he, you know, Popeye saw himself as an orphan. He didn't know where his dad was and things like that. And so they got joked, hey, who raised him? Like, and they realized, you know, Popeye retraced his, his birth and found out he was born in a seedy hotel and Pappy abandoned his mother immediately. And so then they did a story, a long multi-year storyline of Popeye trying to find his mom. And he actually found his mom's sister, found that his mom's sister raised him for a few years. With her husband, who happens to be Davy Jones, the spirit of the sea. And then you got all this stuff, and like these characters that were really important. And then when Sagendorf came in, understandably, because he had been uh Seeker's assistant and he had been working on the comic books for well over a decade, which had its own separate continuity. When he came to the comic he he's like, I'm gonna do my stuff, which is understandable, but I, like meant a whole bunch of characters vanished. And I was always sad about. Like, especially if you go through a lot of this, the uh, Zabolian and Sim stuff, like they get into the emotional impact Popeye has of not knowing if his mom's okay. When he finally meets her, she doesn't recognize him and how much that breaks his heart because he just had hoped she would see him and go, oh, that's my kid. And she, it's really, like there were a lot of really important things where he played up to the fact that Popeye's biggest strength is he, he created a family when he needed one. And I liked that. And I think that was something that kind of went by the wayside over time. And I kind of wanted to bring that back and bring back supporting characters. And then you have characters like Sir Pomeroy um, during the Ralph Stein run. uh, Popeye's usual supporting characters kind of went to the background. And it was basically Popeye's adventures with this British explorer named Sir Pomeroy. And I, in this year's, uh, all of Popeye, I brought Sir Pomeroy back. Uh, he has a bit of a fan base, which I didn't realize. Again, a character who hasn't been in reprints; that his last trip was in 1950. Well, that's not true. I say that Bobby London, I think, he used him in a storyline in the late 80s, but very like, brief cameo. So I just wanted to like, to me, it was important to kind of go in and touch on like these aspects of the character. Like, yeah, family was always important to him. That was established under Seeger, and that was established under Sims as a bully. And I think that that is the thing that as I get older and I become a parent, you know, that that means a lot to me too.
3: Um, As for me, uh, I have always wanted Olive to be more than just the over-emotional woman character. Um, Being the only girl in my family, um, or the only feminine presenting individual, I felt kind of upset that there wasn't a character that I could identify with directly in the Popeye universe. Um, I'm tired of the damsel in distress role. Mm -hmm. And so when I was getting caught up on Olive and Popeye, I loved what Shadia and Randy were doing with Olive, where she had her own strength because she always did in the older comics. She did. Um, But it, always fell to the wayside. And so being able to focus on that is incredibly important to me, especially in the world we live in now, where it feels like feminine strength is constantly being pushed down. Um, I want to provide a role model in that regard uh, with Olive and all of her friends and the adventures that they get up to. And yes, she still loves uh, Popeye, and she still, you know, is overjoyed when they reunite, but she can go and do her own thing and have her own adventures and be perfectly fine with that. Um, it doesn't discount anything that's established. Uh, something else that I'm wanting to bring in is a bit more of um, modern experiences for the younger generation. Uh, in the storyline that I'm working on right now, uh, I have some plans for the future. Uh, for future characters that the younger generation can relate to or people my age can relate to in a way that I feel is going to be really fun. Um, I also love bringing in a sense of mystery and reading everyone's comments in the series about where they think the storyline is going with the boatsmen. Um, And it's just a lot of fun. And I I want to... uh, bring that kind of engagement to the readership so they can theorize together and think about, okay, where is this going? What should they do next? And I think that's a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> I'm really glad that you and Shadia both agreed with me on on that. Because that was, like you said, if you look at the early comics, it isn't up until like the co- comics became influenced by the cartoons that Olive became a damsel of distress. Uh-huh. Just this there- screaming, emotional woman. Well, there was a storyline called the Seven Sons of Sea Hag, where you find out Sea Hag has seven identical sons that she raised on spinach, and she sends them to kill Popeye, they almost do, and he's so exhausted at the end. Sea like says, "I'll just finish him off." Goes to stab him, and Olive Oil literally parachutes in and beats the <laughs> criminal. Sea Hag, because that's her boyfriend. Yeah, and a lot of times where she has saved him or saved other people, and she was the muscle for the comic for ten years before he showed up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's, that's no, a, no That's a rage point for me too. <laughs> like, like she can be angry, she can be a petty, but we don't need a child.
3: No, absolutely. Just this screaming, crying, wailing figure. We don't, we don't need that. Like, she can have emotions. She is a person. She's going to have these extreme emotions, but she can still do her own thing and just be as strong as ever without having to rely on somebody else
2: i think that's also because one thing that worked in the seer in the sins of Bully era was yes they had her sometimes be kind of childish and petty but they would also have popeye be just as childish and petty yeah like, there's a strip a sunday strip where it's them having an argument on a bench and you realize they're both being just as like to the point wimpy is like you're both driving me nuts <laughs> <That's> wrong <laughs> And I think at a certain point in time, it tips to, oh, well, you know, that's olive oil. And Popeye just kind of tolerates it. It's like, no. Yeah. He (laughs) adores her. Mm -hmm. And they're just as dangerous as the other one.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: I was going to ask, like, who do you think would enjoy this strip? Because I feel like grandparents, parents, and kids can enjoy it together. And some of the points that you just brought up, I think, are what stood out to me and what made me interested in reading this is that, like you said, like Olive is not a damsel in distress. Like she has her own adventures and I'm I'm laughing at like with her just as much as I am with Popeye. Like she's ready to scrap, <laughs> she's ready to fight for him, like just as much. And then she's also like a strong character, like the way she handles herself with um like other males and like even like with her friends, like she's. Like her own character. And I I love that. I think you guys did a really good job with that. Well,
2: that's all Shadia and Emmy.
3: <laughs> Shadia set a very, very nice um foundation for me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and have you um faced any challenges
3: taking on like such an
1: iconic IP? Have you gotten any like like negative critiques or anything that kind of I guess um helped you like develop? like things a little differently or any challenges
3: in that sense? Um, When it comes to me, I guess I just haven't been at it so long. I was expecting a bit of pushback, especially um, taking Oliver Shadia's um, position. I was expecting a little bit of pushback, but I've had nothing but positive feedback from regular readers and then of course my grandparents read it every time it comes out and uh they are like yeah it's it's just olive and popeye for the modern age and we love it we think it's fantastic and i'm like that's that's great i love that um so i personally have it and i was fully expecting it with the state of like the internet and how people can be what are trolls <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I I had a different experience. Um, (laughs) So when I first start took over, I did an interview with a local newspaper um, in San Antonio, and you know the the the, uh, reporter was delightful. But uh, I don't think people, most people, understand that for newspapers, the writer doesn't write the headline; an editor does. And so I guess some editor, like, and he asked me things. I talked about how you know, in some ways, Popeye was a very progressive comic underseer and how Popeye you know, more than once identified as a woman or he called himself amphibious, he's both man and woman. Mm -hmm. And I talked about that and uh, the whoever chose the headline for the online version of the articles basically wrote, Popeye Joe's woke. Oh God. And (laughs) immediately, immediately it was just there is a, I guess, a late night talk show on Fox where they had a tantrum about me. I didn't want, I refused to watch it. I was like, no, nah, I don't need to see this. And uh, Bright Burt ran an article that was kind of milk toasty, but was obviously meant to like, let's get the comment section angry. And so I spent about a year getting just exciting hate mail. Oh. And then when I brought in, there's a character uh, that was mentioned, but never shown previously named uh, Whaler Joe. There was a series of written articles in 1931, I believe. And they're supposed to be like the, the life of Popeye. Like It was done like an interview with Popeye. Mm-hmm. And Seager was involved in this. And he talked about in the interview, Popeye mentions that he was raised as a child <laughs> up until certain age, until he reached adulthood uh, by another sailor named Whaler Joe. And Whaler Joe had never been shown in any comic. So I was like, I'm going to bring Whaler Joe in. And I did like, 10 or 15 designs and I found the design I liked uh, and I decided to kind of go across race lines too. And I just happened to make him African-American and you can imagine how that crowd reacted. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that being said, people who re- read the, who just read the comic in general, like, cause a lot of it was like people who, I'm mad I'm going to pretend I read the comic and I will almost immediately show you I've never read the comic in my life because they reference the cartoons, which are very different animals. There's no love triangle between Olive and Bluto and Popeye in the comic strip. That's just everything. People like who had been fans of the comic for a long time, the response is, oh, wow, Wheeler Joe is actually in the comic now or, oh, my God, Popeye's mom is back and we have a first name for her. You know, it's that. Like, So people who enjoy the comic Historically, um, either the response is eh, this isn't my kind of humor. Cool, have fun. Fine, that's valid. I've done the same thing, or they're just excited to see. It. Oh, you actually like this comic and you care about the history and you're trying to revive things that are forgotten. Um, so it's been a mix. Most of the hate has toned down. <laughs> Most, not all. Every once in a while, I'll get some angry um, person all caps and like their avatar is blatantly. It's them in, like, the mirror shade wraparounds. Oh, yeah. Um, It's, you know, of course. But um, for the most part, like, the people who kept reading it have enjoyed it. And that's what I care about. Like, I'd rather, I want Popeye to find new audiences. I want him to, I want the whole cast to reach across age groups. I I think there are a lot of younger people who think of Popeye. They think of a strip aimed at people in their 50s and 60s. And I want it to be something anyone can enjoy. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think you exploring his family is another thing that like really stood out to me because I'm not as like well versed clearly um but like growing up as a, like as a kid watching the cartoon I just really remembered like spinach and like being strong and like him saving um Olive. So reading this, I think this is a great way to get people like back into Popeye and like learn more about the character because it was so much more to him. Like I loved reading about Joe and like, I was like, oh crap, this is the guy who raised him. And then Mm -hmm. like the funny like dynamic with Pappy and his mom where Pappy's like always jealous and always like, but it's like, you weren't really there.
2: Well, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, (laughs) Pappy vanished when like he abandoned them in a hotel when I think Popeye was like uh, less than a year old. (laughs) <laughs> and Popeye had no memory of him. Yeah. And it's just, nah. Like, I, I've i had some people get upset about that portrayal. I've had some people say, like, was, there's a person who I know said that uh, the problem with how I write Pop Pappy is Pappy has always been written as kind of a man child who does whatever and doesn't think about other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just one of the few people like, who said, all right, let's see how this affects the people around you. Because man children are fun to read about, but they're not fun to deal with. No, uh, and I think most people across gender lines have had that one person like, like you won't grow up, like you won't take responsibility, you mm-hmm. know. And, and Popeye loves his dad, like he's always going to love him, but he has another dad who was there, who was just as important. Actually. But yeah, like, it's pretty much everyone thinks of Popeye, like oh, spinach, and spinach is part of it, like it is comic. <laughs> no but uh, was joe's daughter
1: Hmm? oh sorry um was joe's daughter uh an original character
2: she was created by shadia Mm -hmm. um chunia was a character that did not exist and when we were discussing it um like i have my history of what i think happened with popeye and joe like when popeye left it does alter some of the see stuff. Although I will say the article that was written by Life of the times of Popeye was definitely is told from Popeye's viewpoint. And Popeye is an unreliable narrator because in it, he says both his parents were dead, which, you know, there, but, uh, they are ob- not, but, uh, we were discussing, I, and, uh, Shadia asked how I felt about Joe having a daughter. And I said, honestly, I could see Around the time Popeye is about to go out on his own show, starting his own family, finally, you know, because Popeye's going to leave and maybe he met someone and had a daughter. And so we hammered out the details that, yes, Popeye has a half sister that he never really held up an interaction with because he was off on his own at that point.
1: Because even their own, like, I guess, little dynamic, like their little arc of him, like picking her like on journeys and stuff like I love that I'm like I want to see more of that explored. like that's a lot of fun in itself <laughs>
2: I mean you know that's the thing again you know the seer especially the sim as bully stuff Popeye craved having a family he wanted to know where he came from and he whenever he found out like when he learned uh you know his aunt auntie jones and davy jones were the ones that raised him until he wandered off when he's a baby he was just so ecstatic and like he actually got Auntie Jones to come live with him for a few years uh, and like that's important I, I mean I got that's that part of the comic that I always enjoyed a lot and I imagine Popeye finding out like oh my little half sister's all grown up oh he, he's he wants to be a sibling and so of course he's gonna do whatever even if it's really dumb things he probably shouldn't be doing they're gonna get him really hurt well it's from a baby sister <laughs>
1: Were there other new characters or other characters that were brought back? Like, I know we haven't seen um, Olive's sister-in-law in, in, like, nearly a century. Uh, What other characters were new or, I guess, brought back?
2: Zalinda Oil actually had last appeared um, half a year, I think, before Popeye showed up in the comic. And actually, uh, that storyline was her and Castor separating. Like, they were going to give up their marriage and... Uh, Shadia and I had talked about it. What we decided was they did separate for a while, then they reunited at a certain point, and that's when they had Diesel. Diesel is a character who actually had never appeared in the comics, but she had appeared in the 1960 cartoons. And I was like, I want to port that character in, and since Olive only has Castor as a sibling, that has to be his daughter. Um, uh, May, who is one of Olive's friends, uh, Shadia brought her in she's an interpretation of a character who was based off of May, uh West uh, from the Fleischer cartoons. And we decided that instead of being like her version of Bluto, they have a friendly rivalry. Like, it's like, a, uh, I want you to be better, but I don't want you to be better than me. situation. <laughs> and that was all Shadgy's creation. Friendly. Yeah. Uh, and I know that Emmy has a new character that is coming up pretty soon. And I don't know if you want to talk about that character or not Um, when this goes up. So that's
3: yeah. Um, there is a character coming up soon. Uh, I wanted to bring in a younger individual, but not as young as diesel. So there's going to be a teenage girl. Um, her full name is Helen. But she likes to refer to herself as Hel, H-E-L, based on the Norse goddess. Um, She's a lot of fun. Just the stereotypical teenage girl. uh, Thinks she's better than everybody. Lots of self-esteem issues. Uh, She's going to butt heads with Olive quite a bit uh, in the coming arc. But um, I think overall it's going to be really heartwarming. And they're going to form kind of a hesitant friendship over time. (laughs)
2: Um, the other character I brought in, I brought in during my package, and I kept around was Sea Hag's intern, who is a non-binary individual named Lyndon, and <laughs> yeah, who is just literally the the twenty-something long-suffering. I'm doing this because it's the only internship that pays me. <laughs> um, Shadia, when Shadia was doing Olive and Popeye, had asked about um, Bobby London had given uh, Olive a cousin named Suture Oil who was very shapely and had a big crush on Popeye. Uh, at one point did get married uh, to, and her husband took her last name, Motor Oil. Uh, and eventually like I I brought Sutra back because yeah, you know, it's a character from when I started reading Popeye okay. and Shadi had asked about those two maybe dating. And so we came up with a reason what happened to Motor Oil. Um, so yeah, we have like our first queer couple in the comics history. Okay. Which was fun because I in the Sunday comic, I got to have Brutus uh, develop a friendship with Lyndon and actually did ask them out on a date. And she got to explain to him, I don't date Matt I'm very sorry. And he's like, <laughs> oh, that makes things a lot easier. She's like, <laughs> and so now it's a <laughs> best <less fun. laughs>
1: I guess anything on how you guys wanted to handle uh, like foes like Pluto?
2: I mean, Pluto was never really in the comic. That's something people understand. Like he appeared in a single storyline under Seager in 1932. That was it. And Olive Oil wasn't even present in that storyline. Yeah. So and he was a minor villain. He was billed as like the toughest man Popeye had ever faced. And like in the storyline, they fought nonstop for 24 hours, but Popeye still won. And Seager never released him again, except for drawing promotional art for the cartoons when Fleischer started doing those. Um Winner in Sims never used him. Uh Sims is a bully never used him. Around 57, uh Stein brought him back into the Strip for a Fuse. Again, though, Olive was never in the storyline. Okay. Uh, he he did uh give uh Bluto a twin brother named Burlow, who was clean shaven. Uh he appeared at like in the last storyline that Stein ever wrote. And then there were uh, questions about who owns Bluto at that point. And I believe Paramount felt that they owned him. So that's when he got phased out of the comics and was replaced with the uh, first with a character named Sonny, who was the, what, the son of Seahag. Uh, and then he got replaced with Brutus, who appeared in the 1960 cartoon as well. And um, so I brought back Bluto into the comic strip because uh, my predecessor, uh, High Eisman, had used him in two strips. And had blatantly said, this is Brutus's brother. And so I got to do, uh, King Future's gave me permission was to do a a family hierarchy. Because Brutus had a a mom who'd appeared in some of the strips as well. So, okay, here's a family. We know Burlo exists. We know that that's Brutus's twin brother. Where does Brutus fall in this? Okay, I'll make Brutus the baby brother. He's cut. Because the way he was written by a lot of people, he was kind of insecure and unsure and blatantly a follower. Um... And I gave them an older brother named Bruto who was based off of a typo done in British comics for Popeye where they sometimes call him Brutus, sometimes call him Bluto, and sometimes call him Bruto. And so I made the older brother who's appeared in a strip who's just long-suffering, tired, and just does not fight people. Uh, and it's been fun. Like, I had separate personalities. Bluto still does, like he does in the cartoons, hate Popeye. I did not port over the whole he wants to be with olive oil, though. I just... In my versus strip, he never did. Uh, oh, yeah. And London used him in, uh, I think, a 1991 storyline. And Olive was in the storyline, but Bluto didn't make... He had no interest in her romantically. So I've kept with that. It's more of a just, I just hate Popeye, and I just want to hit him. And Popeye <laughs> hates me, and he wants to hit me, and that's our relationship. It's, like, almost a weird friendship in a way, because, like, that's the one thing that we're um, and Brutus is kind of toned down a bit where he's just wanting a little more acceptance.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Sea Hag is just a nightmare to deal with for everybody. Just a very fun, old crotchety lady who's very aware of what's going on, very aware that she is a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to do more magic with her, bringing her, she had a sister under Seeger's run. I got to bring her sister back. I've tried, I've tried to bring him back. In fact, the one that Shadia used, one villain I brought back, uh, Susie the Cenoms, who in the Spinach Spring storyline, it was shown that she was just as strong as Popeye, but he couldn't fight her because even though she's a Nymph, she's a woman. Mm-hmm. So I had to bring her back, um, and Shadia used her a few times. Oh yeah, And a fun. She's a fun, weird character to write. Um, there's a lot of villains and actually right now I'm using uh, General Bunzo who was a Popeye villain from 31 Um, and he, although he's now CEO Bunzo so yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to go back and find the really fun villains to bring back I don't know what villains Emmy's planning on using i yeah, um,
3: not sure yet I mean there's so many there's so many
2: <laughs> Amy you could always use Susie she's Really fun to draw, too. Just, like, a, a, a living ocean wave. Yeah. So. And sorry.
1: I guess in terms of, like, um, kind of, like, material, what, I guess, what do you draw inspiration from? Because, like, you've had things like yoga uh, and, like, random, like, things like that. I guess, how do you, you do you kind of use, like, influence from daily life as well?
3: Um, I know for me, a lot of... The backgrounds and stuff are actually based on the areas I grew up. Uh, so those who are local to where I live, if they look at certain comic strips that I've done, they'll recognize buildings or they'll recognize images or they'll recognize a coffee cup that one of the characters are holding. Um, I like pulling in lived experience because I feel like that's the best form of Writing and storytelling is to write what you know, Um, and so that's where I draw a lot of my inspiration. Is the things around me.
2: That was similar, uh, like for the Sunday strips, more so. Like I'll do things based on like my kid doing weird things with Sweepy. I also like to reread the old storylines a lot and just kind of take notes of what would happen with this. How's this never been revisited? Um. I don't bring in as much personal stuff. I did do a storyline or strip, Sunday strip where they went to a wrestling show and I stocked it with independent wrestlers I actually know personally that were friends of mine. So I got to put um, a wrestling Sue Young in it. And I've actually put another one of her wrestling personas in as Olive's boss at her day job, Susan uh with permission from her and like, i had to put in barrington hughes and a wrestling machka who was a person i've known for a while livy loca because you know if you're going to do a comic about wrestling and you have friends of wrestlers you should you know oh yeah um, give them a little bit. that's <laughs> pretty funny uh but you know a lot of it is just because i love the stuff and i'm like here i want to see more adventure stuff where yeah. what i like what what i like to have done and folklore like what weird monsters because
3: yes that's the fun stuff is looking into like mythology and folklore and mm-hmm. seeing how you can end that into it. Oh,
2: God. It's so much fun. Also what monsters are just fun to draw. Because yes. sometimes you just don't want to do a strip that's full of monsters mm-hmm. and draw all the weird One of my favorite Sunday scripts involved the Minotaur. Oh. And it, it is the Minotaur, you know, he sees a silhouette, he sees his Popeye, he's challenging Popeye. It turns out it's Wimpy and Wimpy eats him. <laughs> And I'm shocked they let that run because the last panel is Wimpy walking up behind the rest and he's got a wagon full of hamburgers and he is wearing like the pelt of the Minotaur. Guy. <laughs> I was like, they're like, like this is okay?' Keep that's fine. Like, okay.
3: Okay. Right.
2: <laughs> Wimpy is allowed to eat scent to get half people. <laughs> no. <Big. laughs> I guess hey, I would know I guess that's what. <laughs>
1: I'm going to say, I guess, a little more like digging into the art a little bit more. Can you kind of describe like your drawing routine and like your process? Do you come up with like the full
3: panel idea first before you start drawing or? Um, For me, I start with what's called thumbnails. They're really, really quick, small sketches of what the overall page is going to look like. That way I know the panel layout and where the characters are going to be. And then that'll change quite a bit by the time I get to the end process. So it's just... Pretty much scribbling something down and then refining refining moving things around refining refining until it's done um that's the workflow i find the easiest for me um occasionally if there's something very very dialogue heavy i'll sit down and i'll script out exactly what i want Um, but usually i do art focus first and then dialogue
2: um i tend to write my dialogue first so I can start killing my darlings and you know condense it more mm-hmm. um, I draw on a Circus pro so for the all Popeye strips I have a general loose framework I can I, I'll pencil the strip out like I'll, I'll plug all the dialogue in and I'll loosely pencil that'll go refine refine and then I will ink it as best I can and if I want to do like fancier color I'll do that be the last thing like shading or light right. events um, same on the Sunday strip Um, If there's a character who's new or new to me or like there's a monster I want to design, I might spend like a day or so, like a few hours a day, like beforehand, drawing them over and over to get them to a point where they're A, they look like they're fun and B, I can draw them fast. Yeah, because it's cool. Like I have had some strips that were definitely like at deadline or past deadline. It's like, well, they're really pretty. Would have been nice to have had this on time, though. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing I'm trying to be better at. I'm I'm bad. I'm a real bad at it. Um but so yeah, it's just a lot of like refining that process. Um especially again with this new character or if it's that interpretation of an existing character, what these, you know, sketching them over and over to, to, so that you don't lose who that character was, but they mm-hmm. fit more in a modern context because if I bring in sea hags and niece who last appeared in 1959. Well, she had 1959 clothing sensibilities and how she was dressed. And maybe I want to update that.
1: And do you kind of, uh, I guess, like storyboard your ideas? Because the comic uh, strip isn't necessarily consecutive, but I did find like some pieces like referred to something that previously happened. So do you ever kind of go back and like change in order you want to release something or you just kind of go with the flow of what comes to your mind?
2: Uh, for me or for Emmy?
1: Uh, both of you.
2: I, I keep uh, like a list of things I want to reference. So like if I think something needs to come up later, like one strip I did um, on a Sunday strip was Seahag is talking to her, her uh, intern, Lyndon. About how Lyndon could and ask, did any of your children ever become a witch like you? And Seahag says, well, I had a son who became a warlock, but it was a horrible incident. And you find, like, for a moment, like, Elin is worried that the Bernard, Seahag's pet vulture, might be like, the son who got transformed. And Seahag's like, I wouldn't keep my son as a pet. What's wrong with you? And you find out it's actually the perch that Bernard sits on as her oh, son. No. Oh, no. <laughs> and... It was a dumb joke, but I was like, I'm going to reference that again later. <laughs> I know I because I had a storyline coming up. I wanted to do a Halloween storyline, like uh, son, on Sunday strips, focusing on Sea uh, Hag. Uh, according to Sagendorf, there were no witches left. Sea Hag was the last living witch, and I ended that. Like I find out that C- the witches are actually trapped somewhere, and they're actually avoiding Sea Hag. But like I was like, I'm going to bring that one dumb throwaway joke back, and I brought it back. Like and I had the perch talk again. Because I wanted to see who remembered it. And a lot of people actually remembered it. Like, oh, oh, so that's going to keep going now. (laughs) Um, And I will do annotations because there's certain things I want to reference, like under previous creators, especially if it's a seer. Um, I will reference it and I'll put like a, a comic, like a comic book style annotation of this happened on this date. Yeah. Well. You know, maybe they don't care, but I want people to show like this actually has a continuity to it. I don't know if that answers your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> um, as for me, I, I have a list of where I want the story to go. I have like a beginning, middle, and end, and I give myself some wiggle room in the middle if I feel like I need to elaborate on something. Um, I know one of the strips that came out a few weeks ago, um, Some of the readers thought that maybe Celinda can see ghosts too, and that's not what I was trying to get at um, with it. Uh, Celinda is a mom of a toddler. So when it comes to making sure that someone takes a nap, she's very, very good at it, and she will scare off anything that tries to wake this person up. Um, And so a recent strip that I did, I elaborated on that a little bit more. And kind of hit home that, no, she didn't happen to see the ghost that Olive was being disturbed by. Is just, you know, mama bear senses kicking in. Um, and so having that wiggle room between the beginning, middle, and end that I'm wanting to do is really nice. Um, it allows me to flesh out the character interactions a bit more while I still go in the direction that I'm wanting to go.
2: Yeah, I definitely really know where the my end of the Popeye stuff is gonna end story wise. Mm-hmm. I know how I want it to go. I'm just trying to keep it as loose as possible because I want the storyline. I, I I, you know, I miss Popeye having storylines ongoing, but I also want there to be a lot of punchlines too. I want he yeah. trip to stand on its own as a funny trip. And by the way, as the parent who stayed at home with a small child, because I was the stay home parent, yes. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: You can war also, toddlers can see ghosts. And I, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I got some story that one. I don't, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, it's definitely like a you, you will ward off every and anything that will might wake that child up, and it would work well with a lot of adult friends who can't sleep. I'm pretty sure, oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> since you brought up that uh, Bluto was with parent under Paramount, I believe you said, um, yeah.
2: Uh, what happened was um, Pop- Bluto first appears in King and uh, Thimble Theater in 1932 in a storyline by Seeger. A uh, year later, the very first Popeye cartoon happens, and they brought Bluto into that was under Fleischer Studios, uh, which would eventually get absorbed and become uh, famous studios under Paramount. So Paramount had the license for a very long time, and they, I believe, it's never explained to me about features. So this could be me talking on my ass. And I apologize. From what I understand, uh, Paramount thought that they had owned or created a character and King Features decided in the the 50s, say, we're not going to fight with this. We'll just make a new character. And eventually that got rectified decades later. But it took a long time for him to come back.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, in terms of, like, uh, I guess, like, licensing or using any character, like, were there any characters you had to kind of get approval for?
2: Um, so I like to do cameos in the Sunday strip. Actually, I've done cameos in the Olive and Popeye strips too of other King Beecher's characters. Um, there's a character I have put in both, who is a little baby in a giant bonnet named Bunky, and Bunky was from a topper strip, which were the back in the day up until like the the 40s. Uh, comic strips would be sold with a topper strip, which is like a, a basically a sister strip. Like, hey. You really want Popeye, but you're also getting Sapo, which was Popeye's topper strip. Um, and Bunky was the topper strip for uh, Barney Google and Steppy Smith. And so I brought him in. Um, there's a character named Lil Iodine, who I've shown to be Diesel's best friend. Lil Iodine used to have her own comic strip under King Features. So she was around from I want to say the 40s until the mid-80s. And actually, uh, my predecessor, Popeye, Pie Eisman, was, I believe, the last artist to work on her strip as well. Um, I've brought in Cats and Jammer kids. I've actually brought them into Popeye before because I wanted to do something with it. I have to ask permission, though, because there's some characters where it's like a... Like, Cats and Jammer kids, Crazy Cat, and like that, those are owned wholly by Hearst and King <laughs> Features. But everyone's all like, hey, well, this one character, and they'll say, well... We actually don't own that character or we co own it with an estate. So we have to get permission. And that's when I drop it. Cause like, I, it's never so important to me that I want to have to have a lawyer go talk to an estate about like, well, your great grandpa's comic strip character who last appeared in a comic in 1937. How would you feel like it was going to be a throwaway gag in one panel that five people would get? No. So it's, it's, they, but King Beatrice for me has been very kind on that. Like I did a strip where the joke is about, um, it's actually a strip that I did on the birthday of the strip for a little iodine. It's her birthday party at like a Chuck E. Cheese knockoff. And she's warning the other kids not to get in the ball pit because of ball pit goblins. Mm-hmm. And there was a little boy got stolen. And I drew, the two characters from Cats and Jammer Kids and a third child, because in the original Cats and Jammer Kids, there were three boys instead of two. And King Features was very fine. I was like, that's fine. Okay. Which was like really okay. I'm okay pushing that button. See how <laughs> also because I'm not like making these characters look bad, I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I do have I always ask permission before I put the character in a strip because I don't want I don't want to get to them and they're like, actually you have to fix that panel, or remove them.
3: Right.
2: You haven't done any cameos yet, have you?
3: Um, the cameos have done a really subtle. There's a really subtle Casper the friendly Ghost cameo. Um oh. in oh, it's
2: that's it's, funny because the island um that they're on, because I had to do the in between between you and Shadia, mm-hmm. what is named for the creator of Casper Ghosts.
3: My my cat, not the one that lives with me currently, but my other one is named Casper. And so I was like, I'm working with ghosts. I'm going to put in a subtle Casper reference. So there's a, like a toddler baby ghost that Olive of encounters and it's literally just Casper with hair. <laughs> that's
2: it. I mean, that's enough of a change to keep you yes. safe from the harmony. Exactly. That's what matters.
3: It's also like, mm, it'll be, it'll be there for people who really know what they're looking for.
2: <laughs> and you can always connect it because Harvey Comics did at one point have the Popeye license for comic books in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I hate that I know this garbage, but I do. One <laughs> little Easter In <egg laughs> my brain.
1: Exactly. And before we wrap, I guess any other fun, cool stuff we can look forward to that you can talk about?
2: Uh-huh. That last part really kind of dings it. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be Popeye either.
2: Oh. Uh, Emmy, you go. I got- um,
3: I, I'm i very excited for where the Olive storyline is going, and I hope uh, everyone else will be as excited as it goes forward. Um, cause there's a lot of cool things coming to explain a lot of the ghost stuff going on.
2: <laughs> I I will say for me as like, again a longtime reader of Popeye, getting to work with Shadia and right. Emmy, right. it's very exciting to see new Popeye adventures that I don't write and I get <laughs> to enjoy. Because it's been about a decade since there were any new like adventure comics and those right. are from GW. Um So I'm very excited to see how that story goes and addresses. I'm also really glad Popeye's not in it because cannot be he's scared of ghosts. (laughs) But I'm just excited about getting to try to bring these characters back, put them in a modern reality, but also the same, like, let's have adventure. Let's have there be some danger to it. And hopefully we'll get to do a third year of it.
1: Hope so. I don't know if uh, Alex came back yet but
2: I think he said you were in charge
1: yeah but uh, I just want to make sure we don't lose the recording
2: <laughs> oh that would be yeah.
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah can you stop the recording
1: on your end I think we hit an hour I don't want to yeah I'm going to take too much of your day <laughs> uh
2: you're I'm fine I for for the first time in a while I have a house to myself there's no child coming <laughs> at me uh,
1: some quiet <laughs>
2: for a few more days yeah um, I'll, by tonight I'll be crying about it it's just... <laughs> my baby's not <die> home <laughs> Ooh, I clean up after oh no I can use the bathroom and close the door <laughs> <laughs> how old is your kid she's five she'll be six in a couple of weeks um, she is autistic so she has a verbal delay, but she's getting to where she can talk a lot better. And uh, she's definitely getting sarcasm down. And when I work in the comic, she'll sit next to me and do her drawings as well.
3: Oh, I love that.
2: She's drawing a lot of cats and a lot of owls lately. And she gives them unicorn horns. Amazing. <laughs> um, she's definitely doing her own little story. So she'll explain to you like, this cat's heart bro- is broken because the owl doesn't want him. And it's like, oh, no. All right this owl is going to eat this kitten because the kitten was rude. i like, wow, that's... Ah, that's that's, that's really some dark. grim level kid. Okay.
1: That'd be funny if she becomes a comic artist. Ooh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, i not wishing that on my baby.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, she already got her neurodivergence from daddy. She doesn't need that too.
3: Uh,
2: but yeah, you know, if she wants to, I'll well promote it. If she wants to, like... I just want her to be happy. That's all I care about right now. And also to let me clean the house without her intentionally knocking everything behind me down.
3: Aww,
2: That's not going like to a cat cat adventure. I'm very much like a cat. <laughs> Children and cats are <laughs> they, cats are furry toddlers. They are. They really They're really just furry toddlers. I
0: love
3: that.
0: <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Inside the Kingdom. A big thank you to Nadia Martinez, Randy Milholland, and Emmy Burge for their wonderful contributions to our show today. Remember to visit ComicsKingdom.com to enjoy Olive and Popeye comics every Tuesday and Thursday. Keep exploring with us and tune in next time for more stories from inside the kingdom.